0: Hi, I'm Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. Welcome to today's episode of Talking Trading. It is a funny thing about the top share traders, their passion for the market always shines through and this has never been more true than in today's guest, Dr. Barry Burns from Top Dog Trading. Barry's been trading the market since he was eight years old when his father introduced him to stocks. Over time, other mentors honed his natural knack and took Barry under their wings and shared their secrets. And today, Barry shares some of those secrets with us in this interview on Talking Trading. We hear how he watches money flow, how he preserves his capital once he's in a position, and how he watches the smart money in the markets. We also hear him speak about the two issues which he thinks keeps traders from being successful. I loved interviewing Barry and his enthusiasm for the markets was contagious. This is part one of our interview together and we will feature part two in next week's show. But first up, we have a wrap of the markets post-Brexit with Chris Tate for the week ending the 1st of July. Chris Tate, hello and welcome to Talking Trading. Hi Caroline, Chris, how did the pound perform this week?
1: Well, at the risk of being hit out of the park for poor puns, the pound got pounded. I, I, I think the best quote I saw was on a website that said that the pound is down against, well, everything. Uh, we can put stock stock markets to one side. The true indicator of an economy on an international scale is how their currency is doing. And the pound is going through one of its regular once a decade midlife crisis.
0: And how long will the volatility of these midlife crises last, do you anticipate?
1: Until Article 50 is sorted or until something else changes. The fact that the English are a little bit like us and they no longer seem to have a functioning government won't make things any easier for anybody.
0: So are you avoiding the volatility in this area at the moment?
1: One of the things that people need to be aware of is that Volatility is not necessarily your friend. The trend is your friend. And I have a trading rule that says when volatility gets to a certain point in a certain instrument, I step out of the instrument. And the pound is demonstrating that at present. It had a series of very ordinary days, then one or two catch days where it's halted. For me, it is more important to step aside and watch somebody else go first and get hammered than for me to go first and get hammered.
0: How are the European markets performing? (laughs)
1: They've been very interesting. The FTSE has had an interesting bounce, but again, it's a contextual bounce. The FTSE is simply stuck in a range as we are, and that's it. What's been an overreaction, in sort of my view, has been European markets, but their overreaction, I think, has come about by a perception that their own countries might want to punt the EU.
0: And let's swing over to the Atlantic. How did the US markets perform to the Brexit?
1: Again, they had two days of conniptions and then recovery. But again, it's context. Their market is still stuck in a narrow band. Both the Dow and the S&P 500 are stuck in a band. Uh, The Russell 2000, which is a very broad index, has really been struggling for about a year. But the thing that is interesting, the thing that's uh, piqued my attention in the US market is that the VIX, which is the volatility indicator, or as many people call it, a fear gauge, has moved contrary to the S&P 500. When you map them together, they should really track together. And it does appear as if the S&P 500 has reacted or overreacted on the downside compared to what the VIX says that it should have reacted.
0: So what does that mean?
1: What it means is uh, the market has overcooked itself in terms of how fearful uh, options traders are. The VIX is a collection of, the think of it this way, the most liquid at-the-money options for the S&P 500, and it's their implied volatility. Implied volatility is often taken as a gauge of how uncertain or fearful markets are. The VIX is referred to as a fear index, so when it lifts dramatically. It's perceived that markets are becoming more skittish or more fearful. The thing is, the VIX actually collapsed last week and has pulled right back. But the S&P 500 hasn't followed it with a bounce as of yet. And only time will tell whether the two come back together as to where they should be.
0: Let's talk about the commodity markets, which are really moving, especially precious metals.
1: Yeah, the only markets that are moving are commodities markets. They were the best-performing markets of last week. In fact, they've been the best-performing markets of the last month. And it's being driven by the likes of silver and palladium dragging everything along. But you're getting everything else moving as well. So you're getting natural gas, coffee, sugar, orange juice, gold, platinum, copper. They're all being dragged together. This, to me, is actually a very, very positive sign. Because for the first time in quite a while, we've actually starting to get reasonable bullish moves in commodities.
0: Chris Tate, thanks for your time.
1: Thanks, Caroline.
2: Well, hello. I am Peter O'Brant, and I just want to say that I listen to Talking Trading, and I enjoy it, and I expect that you do too.
0: Dr. Barry Burns has been trading the markets for nearly 50 years He is the author of Trend Trading for Dummies and is a doctor of hypnotherapy and a certified NLP practitioner. He is the CEO of Top Dog Trading, which he founded to help students shorten their learning curves in becoming traders. We speak to him now about his methodologies. Dr. Barry Burns, hello and welcome to Talking Trading.
2: Hi, Caroline. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here.
0: (laughs) Barry, tell us, how did you get started in trading the market?
2: I got started with my father. He was a trader. It was his passion and advocation in life. He started when he was 18 years old in Detroit, Michigan. So this was around 1934. Five, I would say. So he would leave his regular job. He worked for the telephone company. And on his lunch break to learn about the markets, he would go down to the local brokerage house, take a sack lunch down there. And of course, back in those days, we didn't have direct access, computers and all of that. So and uh, my dad just happened to meet a gentleman there. He seemed to know what he was talking about. And uh, this gentleman took him under his wing and taught my dad a lot. So uh, fortunately I never had to trade in that fashion. But um, my dad did start teaching me when I was at the ripe old age of eight years old. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I know I look young, but I'm actually 57 years (laughs) ancient. So I've been trading for 49 years. And between my dad's experience and what I've got from him and my experience, I've seen a lot of things happen in the market over the decades and not really surprised by anything. And i tell you, that experience really is very, very helpful. But yeah, my dear old dad, he got me started and it became a wonderful bonding experience between the two of us Uh, throughout his entire life. It's an interest that we shared, not just an interest, a passion, I should say. And then I got other teachers after him. My dad was a stock trader, as I said, then later I got into futures and commodities and options, but my dad stuck with stocks. So
0: So what markets and time frames do you trade, Barry?
2: Well, as I said, I started with stocks, so I did that for many, many years, and then I as I started expanding and learning other approaches to trading, I sought out other mentors. So I joined a local trading club, and there was a gentleman there who was very well respected here in Southern California, and he traded futures. And so I took his class in his home, and actually uh, he was in his 80s, and he had a girl- his girlfriend was about 40, and so the classes were actually at his girlfriend's house, and they would trade together every morning, and so I'd go over there, and pretty soon, um, so I learned futures from him. I got into the E-minis at that point and we are trading pretty short time frames like 2 minute charts and um, after a while he stopped charging me and he just said Barry you know what I've never seen anybody as dedicated as you and so you just seem to have a knack for this you seem to catch on real quick so I'm gonna make you my protege and I'm not gonna charge you anymore just keep coming and let's you know I gotta leave a legacy with somebody and my my kids are interested in other things so I'd like to leave my legacy with you And so that was a Mm -hmm. wonderful honor and um, then he also got me into Forex before Forex became popular so he was at that time, the euro was in a major trend. And so we started trading the euro together. And later on, I got involved in some commodities and then heavily into options. So now as far as time frames, I trade all those different markets. And what I'm looking for is just where the opportunities are. So to have the wide variety of markets, rather than just committing to one, um, you know, certain times maybe the euro is in consolidation; it's not really doing anything. But the S and P is taken off, or maybe the S and P is not doing much, but gold is in a really nice trend. So I can pick and choose, and the beautiful thing is, these days we have option or we have um, opportunity and access to all these different worldwide international markets so um, that's what I do I trade them all and I just look for where the opportunities are I day trade during the day and use very short term for that mostly futures during the day and then I will swing trade stocks commodities and options I prefer to trade the options on the stocks but sometimes I'll, I'll do the stock itself and then for my investing my long term there I'm investing in stocks and exchange traded funds
0: What's your favorite market? Do you have one?
2: My favorite market is the one that's making me the most money today.
0: (laughs) How would you describe your approach to trading the markets?
2: What I'm interested in and the only thing that I found that works over time is to look at what's happening at this time. So, for example, I've studied a lot of technical analysis, and I do use technical analysis definitely. Um, My dad was very much into fundamental analysis. I don't do as much of that anymore, but, you know, past performance is not indicative of future results, and we all know that. We see that everywhere. It's legally required to print that on, you know, wherever you're signing up for (laughs) software, brokerage statements, all of that. And yet, it's interesting that even though we see that everywhere, we become numb to it, we think that... What happened in the past is going to predict the future. Well, it's not. It's not. So I'm interested in what's happening right now. And that means money flow. Where is the supply and demand? What's the balance or the imbalance right this minute? That may not have long term predictability, but I don't really need that. What I need to know is to get a little edge, a little advantage as I get into the position. Now, Then we get into money management and risk management. Once I'm in the position, then it's all about money management and risk management. So if the market continues to move in that direction, that's great. And I'll stay in the position and I'll take everything I can get. If it doesn't, it's okay because I take some profits pretty quickly after I enter. That does two things. Get some green in my wallet, number one. And then number two, it lightens my load. So it lowers my risk. I'm no longer having the entire amount of my position at risk anymore. So even if I get stopped out, my losses are much smaller.
0: How much and profit do you take? What percentage?
2: I t- usually my first exit's about a one-to-one risk-reward ratio. So it seems very small, and it is, but that's really not about profit. That's just about risk management. So then when I have a loss, it's very, very small and because I'm moving my stop a little tighter and it's on less than half of my position. Well, it's on about half of the position left. I usually take half the position off pretty darn quick because I'm really good at catching the first half cycle of a market. So I studied cycles with another one of my mentors, and that really changed my trading dramatically. So I'm really an expert at identifying a final cycle low before the market moves up and makes a cycle high. In that half cycle, I can trade very, very predictably. So it's not 100%, obviously, but it's a very high percentage. So my win-loss ratio there is astronomical. Then what happens after that? Is a little bit more of a crapshoot. It's um, it's easier to predict the short term um, movement of the market than the long term. So I'm looking, I'm watching time and sales. I'm looking for block trades. That means large size trades coming through because that's the professional traders. So if I'm trading the e minis, for example, a hundred lot trade that comes through, that's that's substantial. Your average retailer is not trading a hundred lots on the e minis. So that's not an amateur trade. So I'm looking for the smart money. Uh, Follow the smart money for two reasons. Number one, well, they're smart. (laughs) What's the alternative? Trade with the dumb money? So I want to trade with them. And also, the volume has a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. That much volume pushes the market in that direction. So I'm looking for those block trades. I'm looking for an imbalance of supply and demand. And that will get me the half cycle I'm actually looking for a little bit of a momentum shift at the tops and the bottoms of the swings as well. And that's very, very reliable.
0: In your experience training traders, what are the biggest issues that keep them from being successful in your experience?
2: Well, I do work with a lot of traders. I've been teaching traders for over a decade. So I do have a lot of experience with that. And I would say, gosh, there's so many have so many problems <laughs> it's it's really, yeah, it's ridiculous, but um, hey, I've been there, you know, we've all gone through the same learning curve, so I never put anyone down because I tell them, hey, number one, you're not going to know something until somebody teaches you the first time, and I've been there, and I've made every mistake you've made, so There's no reason to feel bad. There's no reason to worry about giving a wrong answer. Actually, if you give a wrong answer, you should hoot and holler and say hooray because you're about to learn something, and that's always good. But I would narrow it down to two things, first of all, that are some of the biggest issues that I'm finding that they don't learn from a lot of books or even a lot of other teachers. So number one would be timing your entries and timing your exits. You know, a chart is a two-dimensional object. So, we have price on the y axis and we have time on the x axis. And most of what we're taught focuses on price, or maybe price and volume, price levels, support, resistance, or indicators that are derivatives of price. And that's all great, you need that. But very few people give in depth study about how to measure the x axis, time when to get in. Well, guess what? That's 50% of the information on the two-dimensional chart. How in the world can you possibly establish a probability scenario if you ignore 50% of the information the time axis in your trading? Well, by definition you cannot. So, traders need to learn how to have a, first of all, a great timing tool and to learn to read time. So here's what happens in a person's um, practical experience when they're trading and they don't know how to determine the right time to get into an entry. And one of my friends used to say, retailers are often right but at the wrong time. So an example of how that would happen is there's an uptrend, get a higher high, higher low, you buy it, market goes up a little bit, fills you, and then right after you get in, turns around, goes down, and stops you out. We've all experienced that, right? Then, here's the maddening part. Right after you get stopped out, the market turns around and goes back in the original direction of your trade. And you slap yourself on the forehead and say, are you serious? How could I be so perfectly imperfect in my trading? It is uncanny. It's literally crazy how genius I am at getting this wrong. <laughs> I mean, I am a genius at making the mistakes. Well, what happened there in that little example, was something we just call an ABC complex retrace. So they got in at a higher low yes. Then the market went up a little bit and then made another, just a little bit of a lower low, took them out, and they bought too early because they don't know how to measure the confluence, as W.D. Gann talked about, the confluence of time and price. And so I focus on that. I teach people that. The other one that I would say that is a big problem for people is that they're not taught about momentum momentum. So for example, I held a webinar today, a live webinar, and I asked people, I did a little quiz. I said, okay, let's say um, there's two types of trends. And by the way, there's more than two types, but I just want to see what's in your brain cells today. What's in your awareness? What's on your radar? So please enter into the question box, two types of trends. Every single person listed uptrend and downtrend. Now, Is that a wrong answer? Nope, that is a correct answer. Nobody mentioned high volatility and low volatility trends. That would have been another right answer and is very important to know. But there's a third answer that is also correct, and that is a strong trend and a weak trend. Nobody had that on their radar. Nobody was thinking that. That tells me, and I shared with them, I said, Well, golly, you're all right, but you need to add to your knowledge this that every time you take a trade, before you press that buy button, ask yourself, wait a minute, Carolina, is this a strong trend or a weak trend? Because if it's weak and there's no momentum strength, which is acceleration combined with weight or, in market terms, volume, then it's unlikely that that is going to follow through. It will probably fail. You will get in and then the market will turn around. On the other hand, if it is a strong trend – then it's very likely the market will continue to make a higher high. You can lock in some profits there, move your stop to break even and now you're golden. And so it's just like a train going down the track, okay, a locomotive. If it's going 60 miles an hour and you put on the brakes, it's not going to stop in a meter. Right? It's going to keep going. In fact it'll go a mile down the track before it stops if it's going 60 miles an hour. Happen to know that because I saw it in a documentary. I'm not really that smart, but I saw that. So same with trading. But on the other hand, if I'm just walking as an individual and I'm going north and that's my trend, I can turn around within one step and head south. So trend itself has no leading implication whatsoever, but momentum does. And since we're traders, and we're not analysts, we're trying to determine what's going to happen after we get into the trade, what's going to happen on that blank side of the chart on the right side. We need some sort of leading indication, and that's what momentum gives us. So I would say those are the two things that I see people are not being taught, they haven't learned, and I focus on.
0: Barry Burns from Top Dog Trading. Where can people go to find out more about you?
2: Well, the best place is to go to my blog, topdogtrading.com. And you can see some articles there. I've got uh, videos, free videos, lots of free education. I also, on that uh, front page of my blog, offer a five-day free course. So people want to try my courses before they buy, try before you buy. Got a little mini course there. And that course talks about the difference between professionals and how we trade and retailers and how they trade. So it's a real eye-opener and absolutely free. It's just five videos, so it's real sh- uh, short and sweet. But um, I also provide one of my trade setups. they called the Rubber Band Trade. So you can actually get a trade that you can go and, and try and sample and see and make sure it works for you. So that's the way that I get people into my courses is I don't really sell. I give away a lot of free education, and that way people say, wow, this is good stuff, and it actually works, and I'm actually making money before I buy anything and I say yeah just buy my courses from your profits that I make for you (laughs) uh, (laughs) I like it that way you know I'm not a hardcore sales guy at all never have been don't want to be and uh, oh I also have a very very active um, YouTube channel with over 2 million views so just go to YouTube and type in top dog trading and you'll find my videos
0: Barry it was very stimulating talking to you today thank you very much for coming on to talking trading and sharing your trading wisdom
2: Thank you, Caroline. My pleasure. I appreciate the invitation and love your podcast. It's fantastic. You do a great job and you are a great guest. And uh, thank you for the service you provide the trading community.
0: And that's all we have for you today, guys. Stay tuned next week to hear part two of Dr. Barry Burns' interview as we discuss the psychological challenges of trading. I'm Caroline Stephen. On behalf of the team, thanks for your company. We'll see you next week.
1: You've been listening to talkingtrading.com.au
0: with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune
1: in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now.
0: The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation.